Hey guys, this is David, aka Bible Scribe. Thank you for checking out my podcast today. I just wanted to remind you that I also have a YouTube channel and a blog. This podcast is a rebroadcast of my YouTube videos. You can find my YouTube channel with an easy search for Bible Scribe. My blog is www.bible-scribe.com, and there you can find notes from my broadcasts and contact me directly using the contact form on that site. So please find a way to connect with me or my other listeners, and God bless you in your search for the truth of God and His Son, Jesus Christ. Now to the podcast. Hey guys, it is Bible Scribe. Thank you for joining me again. The Word of God, or ton logon tu theu. Have you ever heard of this phrase? Uh, we are going to study this phrase in depth because, you know, in Christianity, many people say the phrase Word of God all the time. And we most often refer to the Bible when we say that phrase. The 66 books that has been hardbound for centuries. Uh, and so whenever a Christian or a person in general says the Word of God, everyone assumes that we're talking about the Bible. Well, this phrase is actually in the Bible, and so this study is about what does that phrase really mean in the Scriptures when we see it. And so let me bring my outline up to show you what we're going to go through here. We're going to start off by talking about this Greek word, that's part of this phrase, the logos. Then we're going to talk about this phrase, logon to theu, which is essentially word of God, but in Greek. And where is this phrase found in the Bible specifically? And then what does it mean? And then we're going to look then at some different references in the Old Testament where the word of God or the word of Yahweh is mentioned. And then we're also going to go over just, I'll show you some other sources for the Logos concept uh, that you can use to explore on your own. There's so many, we're not going to go into all of them in this video, but that'll give you something you can go look at, look at when you have a chance. Uh, and then I'll summarize all our findings at the end with some final thoughts. So to be honest, guys, I wanted to tell you at least that this has been one of my most favorite studies of the ones I have done in probably the past year or so. Uh, and it's because it exposes something that it's one of those things in Christianity. We think we know so well what something means, but then a new we study deeper. We go one step further than we see the people around us going, and we find out more. God reveals more to us in his, his Word. He reveals more truth to us because He does reward those that truly seek Him. And so what I feel like we're doing here is we are going to the next level, so to speak, in our understanding of some of the scriptures that we've probably held and maybe memorized and, and talked about all our lives. But this will give us some new insight into those scriptural passages and what they're meaning and it helps us hone in further on the meaning behind those passages. 
So let's go to our first section here, the Logos, the Word of God, essentially. So the Logos, we know this word, if you've heard of the term the Logos, uh, then you've probably heard it mentioned in regards to John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And in the KJV, it says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And so I'm going to bring another translation here, one that I like to use a lot. It's Young's Literal Translation. It's a very old, very literal translation against the Greek. Uh, and so I used that for this one, but it says, and helps us a little more with these Greek words, but in the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with the deity, and the Logos was deity. The same was in the beginning with the deity. So that's the very Greek literal translation of this verse. And I think mistakenly I was telling you this is Young's literal. I, I think I used Young's literal translation in bringing this. But this is a very literal Greek rendering of the words in this, in this passage. And so we see this word logos. Where our English says the word, this says, and the Greek word is logos, okay? And so we have to understand that one of the things that I push on my channel is for people when they want to go to the next level with their Bible study is to get into the Greek a little bit. And in, in this video, the things I'm showing you are things you can do just by using a Strong's Concordance and a Greek interlinear Bible. Um, and there's that's online. Uh, I use BibleHub.com for almost all of this type of thing, but it has very easy ways of seeing um, side by side for every verse. It puts the English side by side with the Greek, and so that's where I'm getting these very literal translations. I can go and I can look at a few different versions. I have a I look at a version called the Apostolic Bible Polyglot, which is also an interlinear Greek translation. And then I also use Young's Literal, and then I'll do a, a Greek-English interlinear version that they have as well, just so I get the full meaning of the Greek words behind what I'm reading in English, right? And so this is one of those passages that that is important to do with. So we see here that the word in John 1, 1 through 2, and following... This thing called the Word is actually the Logos, all right? So we're going to explain that word a little bit. What is Logos? What does it mean? So it's really the root word from which we get our English word logic. Logos means, in classical Greek, both reason and word. The translation thought is probably the best equivalent for the Greek term since it indicates, on the one hand, the faculty of reason, the thought inwardly conceived in the mind, but it also, on the other hand, represents the outwardly expressed thought through the vehicle of speech or language. The two ideas, thought and speech, are indubitably blended in the term logos, and in every employment of the word, in philosophy and scripture, both concepts of thought and its outward expression are closely connected. All attempts to translate this word logos to English have suffered some degree of inadequacy. No English word is able to really capture its full meaning. So that's a lot of text there. I thought this was a very good definition, but in short, logos is a thought that leads to an expression, and that expression is generally um, thought to be speech. 
but it's the expression of a thought, logos. So this is the point we need to make. And we know in John 1 that when it's talking about the Word, which was with God from the beginning, is Jesus Christ, right? Uh, that's well known and established and almost not disputed by anyone. Uh, and so we know that's the truth. So Christ is really, as we understand it, if Christ is this logos, then he is the expression of God. He is God's thought become action, his only begotten son. And so I, I think that that is why they use this term for Christ, because God's expression, his thought became action. It became, he, Christ came out of God, and this was before creation. He was God's only begotten son, but this is how they explained it. And we're going to see later on, uh, we're going to mention some of the philosophies of the Greek time period that Jesus was in. But those philosophers used this term. They're called the Stoic philosophers. But it, it was a term like Aristotle, um, Socrates, these guys, they used this term to describe um, a deity in heaven. But they, of course, they didn't know of Christ. So they were talking about this type of term. I'm just telling you this so you know the context. But this term, logos, is a very good representation in Greek of Jesus Christ because he was God's expression. He was his only son. So this next section, we're now going to talk about the logon to theu. And this is the phrase that is always, almost, almost always, well, it's always translated in our scriptures, the word of God, okay, in the New Testament. So that's the Greek, so it translates straight to word of God. And that's what we're really talking about and looking at because that's the phrase we always hear. And, and this is what will bring, I think, a little new light to some of these scripture passages we've heard all our lives. But here in front of you is, is the, uh, a snippet from the Apostolic Bible Polyglot version that I like to use. And I got this straight off of BibleHub.com. But this is the phrase in Greek, so you can see how it was translated here in the Bible Polyglot. Uh, and that's ton logon to theu. And of course, you know, the reason it has an N on the end in some cases, and then other times you say the logos with the S, is that's a different ver it's a different tense of the word, all right? Just like we have past, participle, present, all that different stuff in English, they have that in Greek. And so, based on the way it's used in the sentence, it may have a slightly variant ending on the word. Um, but this is how we most often see it, ton logon to theu, the word of God. Um, and so, that is really in its most literal sense, I would say it's saying the logos, the deity. Essentially, that first and third word are the same article you see the number above is the Strong's number, and it is the same article in Greek. So it's the Word, the God. The Logos, the Deity, is what it's saying here. So I just wanted to show you that so you see the Greek, so you understand the literalness of that phrase and what it really is talking about as we go forward. So where is this Logos, or this Logon Tuteu, the Word of God, used in Scripture? And so we're going to go through a bunch of passages and realize this, that many places that are translated Word of God in the Bible are not Logon to Theu, all right? So there's some that are, 
they are translated directly from that phrase in Greek and some that are translated from a different phrase in Greek. So for instance, in Luke chapter 4, verse 4, it says, And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So in this case, we see the phrase word of God in English, but underneath this verse is not logon to theu, all right? It's different. This word of God here is, is constructed in the Greek as remati theu, or the utterance of God, the speaking of God, all right? So that's a different construction. So as we're going through verses that I'm showing you that have word of God in them, I have done the work of finding out if those verses are using this remati theu or if they're using logon to theu. And so all the ones we're going to look at in past this point are really going to be the logon to theu, the logos, the deity that we are looking for. Um, and another one that's not the logos is, is in like Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So it's saying word of God in English, but this in the Greek is rematos Christu, word of Christ in some Greek translations, probably more, more uh, less ancient ones, but then the ancient ones say rematos theu, word of God. Uh, and this is really talking about the words of God. The remati or rematos is the words of God, the speech of God, the commands of God, if you will. But we're not looking for that. We're looking for the logos of God, the logos to theu, uh, that is the name of Christ. So many in the place, many places in the Bible, opposed to what we just saw, our translated word of God are in fact logon to theu that we saw in John one. That's what we're going to be looking for. So like in Luke five one, it says, and it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him, meaning Jesus, to hear the logon to theu. He stood by the lake of Genesaret. So what it's really saying here is they wanted to hear Jesus, the Logon Tuteu, the Son of God sent from heaven. It's not saying they wanted to hear God's teachings. They wanted to hear God's commands, which is what, you know, again, often as Christians, we bring to this phrase, the Word of God, even in scriptures like this, we say in our heads, we think the Bible. Well, just realize at this time, they didn't have the Bible, all right? They had... The Jews and the rabbis had and protected, you know, dozens of scrolls, ancient scrolls, and copies of those scrolls. So they had all of the Old Testament, which they called the Pentateuch, the Tanakh, the Prophets, um, the Books of Law, all that. So they had all those in scrolls and, you know, protected them with their lives, with veneration and um, honor, but... Uh, but they didn't have anything they called the Bible. So when they heard and used this phrase, the word of God, they either meant one of two things, all right? I think that is, uh, I didn't have a slide for that, but they meant one of two things. When, when you see this phrase, word of God, it either means the things God has said, meaning his commands or the, his teachings, or it means this logos to theu. The, the deity, the Jesus Christ, all right? Uh, so those are the only two meanings in Scripture it really has. It doesn't have the meaning of the Bible because the 66 books, as you'll remember, weren't all put together at this time. So the Bibles we have, they didn't have that. If they wanted to read the Scriptures, they had to go to the temple 
and ask one of the rabbis and then they could I guess there was a way they could possibly sit down with a rabbi and read through the scriptures themselves but mostly they learned by hearing they mostly learned this stuff by hearing so nobody none of the Jews uh, or early Christians necessarily had copies of the books in your Bible sitting around so this phrase never meant the Bible when it's used in scripture it meant either the words of God the speaking of God or the logos Jesus Christ all right so one place we see this phrase logon to theu is in the parable of the sower and that's in Matthew Mark and Luke but we're going to look at the Luke version Luke 8 4 through 15 so a sower went out to sow his seed you probably remember this parable but as he sowed some fell by the wayside it was trodden down the fowls of the air devoured it some fell upon a rock and as soon as it was sprung up it withered away because it lacked moisture some fell among thorns the thorns sprang up and choked it and others fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit an hundredfold and when he had said these things he cried he that hath ears to hear let him hear is what Jesus said after he told this parable so you may be asking yourself where is the logon to theu but we're going to see that in just a second in verse 11 it says this is Jesus now talking to his disciples he says now the parable is this the seed that's being sown is the word of God and that is ton logon to theu that is the logos Jesus Christ is the seed being sown among the people all right it's not the Bible it's Jesus Christ himself so in, in the King James verse 21 says and he answered and said to them Jesus did he says my mother and my brothers are these which hear the logon to theu and do it and so uh, because of the way it sounds in English that sounds like oh well that means the teachings of God or the the commands of God and do them those that hear the commands of God and do it right that's what we all think generally when we come to this passage but if you look at a more literal translation again I, I'm going to the Greek we're going that next level deeper verse 21 says and he answering them said my mother and my brethren they are those who the logon to theu are hearing and doing so he's saying though these are those that are hearing and doing what I'm saying what the Christ they are hearing it and they're doing it it's not talking about the commands of God this is the phrase and it's the logos of God the logos the deity all right and then also in mark 4 which is a parallel of this of this parable account it also mentions that word it doesn't use the whole phrase but it does use the word logos behind what is in our English it's called the it's the word but if you read the mark 4 account it will use that word so we know again that it's talking about the logos it's not talking about the the commands of God or the the teachings in the Old Testament it's talking about those who are hearing and doing what Christ is is uh, is talking about here second Corinthians chapter 4 verses 1 through 5 also has this phrase in it because of this having this ministration according as we did receive kindness we do not faint but did renounce ourselves the hidden things of shame not walking in craftiness nor deceitfully using the word of God now this is not 
talking about deceitfully using the scriptures. It's talking about deceitfully using the Christ, the Logon Tuteyu. That's the phrase behind this in the Greek. But by the manifestation of the truth, recommending ourselves unto every conscience of men before God, and if also our good news is veiled in those perishing, it is veiled, in whom the God of this age did blind the minds of the unbelieving, <clears throat> that there doth not shine forth to them the enlightening of the good news of the glory of the Christ. And you'll notice in almost all these passages where we see this Logon Tutheu in the context, it's talking about Jesus Christ almost every single time. For not ourselves do we preach, but Christ Jesus, the Logon Tutheu, Lord and ourselves, your servants because of Jesus, it, because it is God who said, Out of darkness light is to shine, who did shine in our hearts for the enlightening of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And there were some, by the way, who were out at the time of the apostles and the disciples, especially after Jesus ascended. Uh, and then people like Simon Magus were going around using the word of God, the Logon to Theu. The, 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 they were teaching about Christ deceitfully, deceitful things. And this is what it, they are talking about. We didn't deceitfully use Jesus Christ. We didn't do that. But we tried to do the, speak the truth, is what he's talking about. And then he's talking about, we didn't speak for ourselves, we taught Jesus Christ. There in verse 5. So note, just note again that it's all about Christ. These passages we're going to, they are all about Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8-10. through 10 says, Remember that Christ Jesus, the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Now, realize what he said there. Uh, he says, I suffer trouble. Timothy suffers trouble as an evildoer even unto bonds, meaning he got put in prison for his preaching. But the word of God is not bound. And that's not talking about the Old Testament scrolls they had sitting around in the temple. They're, he's talking about Jesus Christ. He's not bound. Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in who? Christ Jesus. Because he's not bound. The Logon Tuteu is not bound. Christ Jesus will go forth. They will obtain the salvation in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. Again, this entire passage is about Jesus Christ. And the word of God here, the Logon Tutheu, means the Logos, from heaven, from God. Titus 2.5 But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, that aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becomes holiness, that they may teach the young women to be sober and love their husbands, love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their husbands, that what? That the word of God be not blasphemed. And that's that phrase, logon to theu. So just realize you can't blaspheme a, a word or speech or you can't blaspheme text on a page but you can blaspheme God's Son. You can blaspheme Jesus Christ. And that's what this phrase is. It's the Logon Tuteyu, 
the Logos from God, the Deity, God's only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. This is why when I came to these passages and started realizing what was being said, it opened my eyes and, and made, it, made me so much more aware of how the disciples and the apostles taught. They taught more focused on Jesus Christ than almost anything else. This was their entire goal. The good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ was exactly this. They were spreading the news of the Logos from God, from heaven. And um, if you've seen my other videos, we talk about how this was prophesied even as far back as Adam and Moses and Abraham. They all knew that the Redeemer was coming. It was God's anointed in heaven, sitting right beside him, waiting for the time when he would come and redeem mankind. And this is what we're talking about. We're talking about the Logos, the Logos, the deity from right beside God's throne in heaven. Now, Hebrews talks quite a bit about this Logos, the deity. In Hebrews 4.12, says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, if you're like me, before I did this study, I had heard this verse a hundred times, a thousand times. And it always was taught to me that this phrase, the Word of God, meant the Bible. And, and people would replace that phrase with the word the Bible. And they'd say, for the Bible is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Well, is that really what we're talking about when we realize that this phrase is, phrase is ton logon tuteyu? It is the logos, the deity? And then look at verse 13 because it confirms it for us. Neither is there any creature that's not manifest in his sight, the sight of the Logon Tutheu. But all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And who do we have to do with? It's Christ every time. And so, and then in verse 14, it confirms it again because it brings Christ right into the picture. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Jesus Christ was this Logon Tuteu, and he's the one we're talking about in every one of these situations. And by the way, all of Hebrews 4, if you read the whole chapter, it's all about Jesus, the Word of God. All right? He is the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3 also talks about this. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Verse 3, through faith we understand that the worlds, but this word worlds is actually ages in Greek, we understand that the ages were framed by the word of God. Is it talking about the Bible? No, it's talking about Jesus Christ, the Logos. The worlds are the ages of time were framed by the Logos, Jesus Christ, so that things which are seen are not made of things which do appear. All right? The things, he's, it's talking about, and this passage on faith is great, but the, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so it's talking about the spiritual things, the spirit world, heaven, the angels. And so, then it goes and says that the Word of God, the Logos, Jesus Christ, framed the ages of time and the creation. 
so that the things which we see are made of things which do not appear, is what he's saying. They're made of spiritual things. So the basis of our material reality comes from the spiritual reality. That's why it's so important for us to, to live in the spirit, not the flesh. We must understand Christ. We must understand God and the things of heaven, or we will never realize who he is and what it means to us, what he has done for us. It's not just a physical thing. We have to understand spiritual things or we'll never get there. Christ, by the way, and, and I want, this is one of the things I teach when I go into when I go into the Father and the Son and the different properties of them each, but Christ is always God's executor in Scripture or in, in, in any other writings. He created the earth. Jesus created the earth. It was, he was given authority to do that by God. And he framed the ages of history according to Hebrews. And in John 1, we see that he, nothing was made that has been made except through Christ, through the Logos. At God's command, Christ did this, all right? So Christ is, I like to say it this way, it makes sense to me this way, but Christ is God's executor. When God has something big to do, he sends Jesus to do it, all right? <clears throat> so we see also in 1 Peter 1, 23, verse 22 here, seeing ye have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit, Unto unfeigned love of the brothers, brothers, the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. In verse 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, meaning flesh, but of incorruptible, meaning spirit. By who? By the word of the living God and abiding. And just so you know, this is a slightly different construction, but it's the same words. It's the logu zontos theu the living logos of God. And I love that. I love that they added to the phrase for the, the context here because he's living. And, and uh, it's by him that we are born into spirit. All right? It's by the logos that we are, can be born into spirit and by only him. This stuff is powerful when you start to see how this plays out in scripture and it brings new light to these passages. I, I love this so much. Revelation chapter 6 verse 9 and Revelation actually uses the, the phrase that Logon Tuteu a few times but we're just going to look at a couple. And when he had opened the fifth seal I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. This is the Logon Tuteu. This is not the Bible. They didn't have the Bible at this time. It's the souls of them that were slain for the Logos of God, the Logon Tutheu. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, and holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? They're talking to Christ. It's, he's the Logos, and that's the, the subject here, the Word of God. Revelation chapter 19, verse 13 in verse 11, starting there, I saw heaven open, behold, a white horse. He that sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were a flame of fire, his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Logo, the Logos, the Logon Tuteu. 
the word of God. <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, it says he has a name that no man knew until when? Until Christ came. The Jews didn't really know this name until Christ came. And then it's written, it's, it's on him, and it's called, it's the word of God, the Logon Tuteu. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his, his mouth goes a sharp sword that he should smite the nations, which is what he did uh, at that time. He shall rule them with a rod of iron and treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. His name, Jesus Christ's name, is the Logos of God. The Logos, the deity. And he has on his vesture and on his thigh name written king of kings and lord of lords so one thing i found as i really went deep into this in the old testament they also sort of used this phrasing a little bit in a few places it's almost like they they knew that this was a way to describe the the son of god uh, the anointed one that would come to redeem because they didn't know him quite the same way that christians knew him there was Christ's coming was a mystery, and it was revealed when he came. So, but the, the Jews had knowledge of prophecy about that redeem, the Redeemer and the redemption that was to come and the Messianic kingdom. They knew of the Messiah. They just didn't know all the things that came to light when Jesus Christ walked the earth and taught the things that Jesus said. And that's part of why they that coupled with their sin was why they were so confused when he came and didn't understand what he was doing. But in the Old Testament, we do see a similar usage in Hebrew, just as we did in the Greek. So in the Greek, we had this, sometimes the word of God was, was constructed in the Greek as rematheu, or the speech of God, which is not the phrase we we're looking at. We wanted to know about when it was talking about the logos, the logon to theu. But in Hebrew, we have a similar phrase that you say it, Imrat Eloah, as in Proverbs 30, verse 5. And it says there, every word of God is pure. He is a shield to them that put their trust in him. But this usage here is the usage that means the speech of God or the commands of God. Every word of God is pure. It's talking about his speech. But in Greek, we also have this phrase we were interested in, the Logon Tutheu, the Logos of God. And in Hebrew, we have this phrase called Debar Ha'elohim. Or it sometimes was Debar Yahweh. All right? And that is the speech action of God. The, like we said, it's the thought that leads to action of God. And it's the same word. I think it's a similar construction to what is in the Greek. Uh, and so we're going to look at places where I found in the Old Testament that is used that way. And you might see some interesting things as we go. In Genesis 15, 1, it says, After these things, the word of the Lord, and that Lord in all caps in our English is Yahweh in the Hebrew. The word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Well, that, the word of the Lord, the Debar, the Yahweh, sounds like, it's personified. This word of the Lord spoke to Abram and showed him a vision. And so the Debar Yahweh speaks to Abram in this passage. And so that sounds like it's a similar construction to the Logon Tuteu in the Greek that we've been looking at. 
that was a reference directly to Christ, the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Logos. In 1 Kings chapter 12, 22 through 24, But the word of God came unto Shemaiah, the man of God, saying, Speak unto Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, unto all the house of Judah and Benjamin, to the remnant of the people, saying, Thus saith the Lord, You shall not go up, nor fight against your brethren, the children of Israel. Return every man to his house, for this thing is from me. They hearkened therefore to who? To the word of the Lord, the Debar Yahweh and return to depart according to the Debar Yahweh. And so it's very interesting the construction here and the fact that it's using the same kind of reference to a personified being that came to these people to give them information, to give them messages. And so it appears to me that this is the same type of reference we saw in the New Testament. And I would say this is most likely Christ speaking to some of these people. The Word of God, the Debar Yahweh. First Chronicles, also in Second Samuel, it's, it's in both passages, um, if you've studied Chronicles and Samuel, you know most of them over, most of those books overlap. Uh, but the king saith unto Nathan the prophet, See, I pray ye, that I am dwelling in a house of cedars. This is King David. And he says, but the ark of God is dwelling in the midst of a curtain, like it's being hidden. It's hidden. It's not in, they didn't have a temple when he said this. And Nathan saith unto the king, all that is in your heart, go do, for Jehovah, Yahweh, is with thee. And it came to pass in that night that the word of Jehovah, of course, this construction is Debar Yahweh, the word of Jehovah is unto Nathan saying, or came unto Nathan saying, Go, and thou hast said to my servant unto David, Thus said Jehovah, Dost thou build for me a house for my dwelling in? For I have not dwelt in a house even from the day of my bringing of the sons of Israel out of Egypt. And he goes on and on, but what God says in this is he tells Nathan to tell David to go ahead and build him his build the temple. That's what this is about. Um but you can see that construction. This word of Jehovah comes to Nathan and gives him a message. So this is not just like words of God or the teachings of God coming to Nathan in the night, giving him a vision. No, this is the word of Jehovah. This is the logo to Theu. If I had to make a guess, this is Christ coming unto Nathan. Before he was in human form, he was a spirit right beside God in heaven. And he came to Nathan and told him these things for David. Again, remember what I said about Christ always seeming to be God's executor. So when God has something that needs doing, a lot of times Christ is given that authority and does it, especially in terms of judgment and authority. But apparently in the Old Testament, sometimes we see this where it's possible Jesus Christ was also delivering messages to certain prophets at certain times for very important reasons, like the building of the temple. Uh, and again, we talked about it, but the word of Jehovah there, Debar Yahweh, tells Nathan to instruct David to go ahead and build the temple for the ark. Jeremiah 1, verses 1 and following. The words of Jeremiah, to whom what? The word of the Lord, the Debar Yahweh, came in the days of Josiah, the son of 
Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign, etc., etc. And in verse 4, again, it says, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying... So if this is, as I think it probably is, this is the word of the Lord. This is the same as the Logos. This is Jesus Christ giving Jeremiah the prophecies. In fact, I didn't think about it till just now, but if that is true, then Christ was possibly the one delivering the prophecies of himself in the future to these prophets for the time when he would come in the first century. That's mind-boggling. That's mind-boggling. The word of Jehovah gives Jeremiah his prophecies in this passage. So let's talk about just other sources that you can go to to look at the Logos and get more information about it, see what people thought about it uh, in the ancient writings. So I found all these references are ones I found, or at least the books I found that people said that had information about the Logos. I did not read all these. I read a lot of these references, but I'm just giving them to you so you can take, if you want to do more study on this, if this has piqued your interest, then these are the references that I found, and it gives you a good start into looking into passages that talk about and use the same construction, the Word of God, personified, doing something. Um, or, in the case of some of the other things we're going to look at, just giving information about the idea of a logos. But in the Pseudepigrapha, I found references in Jasher 23.1 and 55.2, the Book of Jubilees 14.1, the first book of Adam and Eve 3.15, 61.3, and 79.16, and in the book called The Wisdom of Solomon. They all seem to reference, uh, I saw in the first three there, I read those passages and they do seem to speak of the Logos that we're talking about. And the Wisdom of Solon, Solomon, I read something online, told me that that did have information about it you could look into. Then there's the Stoic philosophers. So this is the philosophers that led up to the time, they're Greek philosophers, and this their teachings are what led up to the time of Christ. And they were, at that time, talking about an idea of a logos um, being a divine emanation or something like that. And, of course, some of that got misconstrued and put into Gnostic thought. A lot of the Stoic philosophies became Gnostic thought. When Christ came, of course, those who didn't, <laughs> they didn't understand Christ, and those who weren't Christians um, probably delved deeper into Gnostic thought. Um, but that's... These are Stoic philosophers that talked about the idea of the Logos, and that's Heraclitus, Isocrates, Aristotle, and Philo. And these are Philo's writings where I personally did read and find the Logos being talked about in the writings called On Flight and Finding, On the Unchangeableness of God, and That the Worse is Want to Attack the Better. Those are all little pieces by Philo you can read yourself. Then in the early church fathers, these sources talk about the Logos. Justin Martyr writes about the Logos. I don't have a reference for that one. First epistle of Clement to the Corinthians in chapter 42, verse 3, it talks about the Word of God, but it, the construction is right for the Logos. Ignatius in his letter to the Magnesians, uh, 8, verse 2. Epistle of Mathetes to Diognetus in 12.9. Um, and I have that read that letter completely. Uh, Tertullian against Praxius, and I did read this, but in chapters 5 and 6 it talks about 
Jesus Christ being the Logos. So you can look at those early church fathers and get more information there. And then these early Christian writings, they weren't necessarily church fathers, but um, some, well, Barnabas was considered one possibly by some of the other church fathers. But the Didache in chapter 4, verse 1 talks about the Logos. Uh, the Acts of Peter 3, verse 5. The Epistle of Barnabas 19, 4. And the Gospel of Nicodemus in the second part, the Descent into Hell, chapter 9, verse 1, talks about the Word of God being Christ. So in summary, just to kind of finalize the points uh, and say them out loud so we hear them and remember what we've studied here, the phrase logon tuteu in the Greek scriptures can definitely mean Christ and almost always does when it is used in the scriptures. But of course, we see it as the word of God, so we've got to go back to the Greek to find that. We must be careful because the Greek phrase rema theu is also used and translated to the word of God, and it literally means the words or speech of God, like his commands, okay? Just as we've talked about. So uh, I wanted to at least throw up on the screen verses in the New Testament, other verses that use this phrase, logon to theu. Uh, this is the full list of verses. I think we went over some of these, but some we didn't. So here's the full list. Uh, that you can research on your own. So I'm not going to go through those or talk about them anymore, but those are the references. You can pause it or snapshot it or whatever you want to do if you want to look into those verses further for yourself. But in again, in summary, Jesus is the Logon Tuteu, the Logos, the deity, the Word of God. The Logon Tuteu is He in whom we must abide. We're told to abide in Christ, and this is what it's talking about. The Logos from God. And the Logon Tuteu is God's expression in creation. It's his executor. Jesus Christ was instrumental in all of God's major works and judgments. Uh, in the judgment against the Israelites. In the judgment against of, of the flood, of Noah's flood. In the book of Enoch, it talks about that Christ was involved in that. The anointed one was taking the throne at the time. Um, and in John 1, we read and we know that it talks about that Jesus Christ was through him, all things were made through Jesus Christ, the Logos in John 1. So I would just say praise to God for the Logon Tuteu, the Logos, Jesus Christ, his God's thought made action, his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, begotten from before creation, but begotten nonetheless, came out from God. And so then was God's executor in creation, in works upon the earth, and through his prophets. Uh, it's amazing once we understand how this phrase is used through the scriptures and what it means in regards to the scriptures. We thought we knew all our lives. We have just a little new insight into what they really meant. And so that's it for the slides. Thank you so much for joining me. Like I said, I had so much fun with this one. I feel like I learned something big time on this one. And, and so, I, you know, that's always exciting. And I praise God for opening my eyes to some new things about his son, Jesus Christ, who was so much more than, than just a man or a prophet or a teacher like so many people think in this world. He was the Logos Tauteu. He was the expression of God, his son. And he came and he saved us. And all the things that it talks about that he did. And uh, 
But we have to realize the spiritual nature that he had before he came as a man. I mean, he was deity right beside God. And uh, man, when I opened my eyes, like for instance, that um, verse we went over that I think is Timothy. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing of bones and marrow. You know, we always thought that was the Bible, but it's not. It was Jesus Christ himself is the one that pierces the dividing of bones and marrows and knows the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. It's Jesus Christ. He is sharper than any two-edged sword. And he is the gospel. He's the one we share. Yeah, we can go sharing the Bible. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but really our focus when we go and share the gospel should be Jesus Christ himself. Um, and so I hope that that's just a little relevatory for you. It is for, for me. I mean, it makes me realize where I, my focus needs to be, you know, more so than I probably realize it needs to be on God's son, the logos. Um, and he is the focal point of so many of these passages. And, you know, all of the scriptures really is a focus on Jesus Christ, the logos, the son of God. <laughs> Praise be to him. Thank you for joining me. I hope this is a blessing. Take care and God bless.